0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip and commentary.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. how to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full turns at mintmobile.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture,
2: Cocaine Cowboys, The Deadly Rise of Ireland's Drug Lords, the live show is on sale now. We're on the road on February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick, February 15th in Cork's Everyman Theatre, and on Sunday 18th, we're back at Dublin's Three Olympia. April takes us to Galway's Town Hall Theatre, Killarney's INEC and Belfast's Waterfront Studios. Check mcd.ie or venue for ticket sales. The Kinlins
1: were never linked to his murder, but I suppose you could say the wider super cartel was quickly blamed for, for his shooting. It made a lot of headlines at the time, partly because he was shot in a UK-registered Bentley and there was very dramatic pictures of the aftermath. This wasn't a guy that was under the radar. He was kind of a public-facing sort of personality.
2: I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World. A podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. A super wealthy nightclub owner is gunned down in Marbella. Spanish police establish money laundering links with the Kinnahan cartel. But the murder probe focuses on members of Riddle and Taghi's Dutch network. This week, two men were acquitted of the murder of flash socialite Marco Yakut, shot dead in 2019 in his UK-registered Bentley as he pulled into the carport of his expensive villa. But while the suspects walked free, evidence gave an intriguing insight into the melting pot, which is the Costa del Crime, where celebrities, tourists and some of the world's most dangerous criminals rub shoulders over cocktails and sangria. This is Crime World, a podcast from Sundayworld.com. Cloda has just said and just so as people don't think it's just me that's past remarkable. Yeah. That you look like the presenter from Blue's Clues. I've never seen this. Yeah. Um I presume
1: he looks like George Clooney as I said to her. I just presume that's a that's the only him or or what's it, Tom Hardy? Some, some mixed.
2: <laughs> no, he doesn't look like George Kevin Clooney. Kevin for, it... for anybody who wants to to Google him. Yeah. D-U-A-L-A. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about that, Claude. If he looks like him, I can totally get that they have the same <laughs> jumper on and there seems to be other presenters as well. <laughs> that looks like Robbie Farrell. Yeah, it does. Class. It does. And the little hat. Again,
1: anyway, this, Again, this doesn't work as well for the, the vast well, majority of people who listen to it. Because to she's usually
2: not as past remarkable as no. I am. Anyway, Marco Yakut, and he hopes that his family and friends had maybe that there would be some justice brought against his killers or dashed this week when two men were acquitted of his murder. Uh, Yakut was shot dead in Spain are we talking 2019? I'm just trying to remember.
1: Yeah, it was January uh, the 20th, 2019. Yeah, um, he would have been fair. I think to call him a kind of a playboy uh, figure in, in Portobello, which of course is a particularly wealthy bit of Spain. Um, certainly, even more so, I think back then, where there was a big. Uh, he he would have been the owner of nightclubs. I think. Uh, mm. A lap dancing bar, very public figure, a kind of a socialite kind of guy, um, but there was obviously all these links to the underworld, and he seems to have served a purpose as as maybe a money launderer on that on that
2: in in Port of Benoose for. So there was a kind of a blast of shootings down around Banus, down around the Costa, around that time. Um, which isn't actually very frequent. No. You know what I mean? A lot of the violence isn't played out there because in similar fashion to Dubai, the criminals that like to hang around in those spots uh, would know that you're better off not bringing the heat of the police on you. And in a way, there's a, a belief that their sort of activities are accepted as long as the violence doesn't play out on the streets. and you know scare off the tourists basically but there was a kind of a, um, a a number of shootings down around there and at the time it was being blamed on the Dutch Moroccans which of course was the gang headed up by Ridu and Taghi who was still at that point on the run because he wasn't picked up in Dubai until the end of that year Um and very capable of ordering uh, murders and uh, is currently before the courts in the Netherlands for that very activity. But Yakut when the shooting happened, kind of unusually it filtered back here very quickly because... um, I was told, I remember distinctly being told at the time that he was a friend of Daniel Kinnahan. I was told he was sort of laundering money for him. Now, Porta remains one of the, the richest parts of that area of Spain. It is like a port. It's a little bit of a kind of a mini Monaco. Yeah. And it has always been and sort of attracts the legitimate wealth and illegitimate wealth. It's one of those weird places. It's a mixing pot of golfers and golfers. Uh, criminals you know and of course our own Kinahan organisation once ran the port Yeah, Um, but yeah he was running a couple of clubs and lap dancing clubs and all this around it and it was suspected that he was laundering funds for the Kinahans but they were never kind of linked to the murder I don't think
1: no, I mean, I think it was. Um, yeah, these are cash businesses, of course, that he seems to have had a hand in, um, which are great for laundering money. If you're running a, a lap dancing club, I imagine one imagines that you don't people don't pay by credit card as much as in some other businesses. So there is just a a, a, a load of money coming in. Um, the killings were never linked to his murder, but I suppose you could say the wider super cartel. Was quickly blamed for for his shooting. It made a lot of headlines at the time. Yakut's murder, partly because he was shot in a in a UK registered uh, Bentley, um, you know, and there was very dramatic pictures of the aftermath. Um, this wasn't a guy that was under the radar. He was kind of a public facing sort of personality. Had done a number of interviews in sort of local media, not not about criminal aspects just about in in his business associated with a lot of the kind of the celebrities if you want that are Was that he are not
2: on there. that TOWIE or whatever you call that show?
1: I don't think he was on that was he? Was he not a friend of somebody who was
2: on it? Uh, Lena
1: yeah, it was something like that. He wasn't, He might, oh, sorry, he may have been on an episode. Of, yes. He wasn't, yeah. He, he wasn't a, a... Oh, no, he wasn't
2: a kind yeah, of a regular yeah, contributor yeah. to yeah. it. But I sorry, right, have a yeah. feeling that he was friends uh, with one of them and that maybe they kind of visited his club and he was on it as a kind of a guest star. Yeah, I mean, and there was a
1: wave of of violence, as you said. And to an extent, I think it's It's probably dropped off in the last while. But there was probably in the aftermath of the Kinovans moving out, on mass um, there was i think a bit of a breakdown in the underworld there and a bit of a uh, there was a lot of tensions and there was a good lot of shooting and it caused a lot of political fuss and um, amongst the local media there amongst the local politicians saying this has to be stamped out it can't go on and the marco yakut murder which was probably the most public of them because of the way it was committed because of the obvious wealth there and because of the suspicions of the involvement of of
2: the Morocco Mafia, basically. So he was actually driving into his home in that Bentley in San Pedro del Cantara, which sits above Porto Banus up in the hills, some, you know, absolutely Beautiful mansion that he had been living in out there, and he was shot. I think there was fourteen bullets pumped into the car. He had no chance. But at the time, I recall being told he was friends with Daniel Kinnan. It seemed everybody was linked some way to yeah. Daniel Kinnan, particularly people dead with bullets in them. Yeah, um, you know, it was always kind of like these associations, and you sort of had to dig a bit deeper than just accept that. And sure enough, I did actually find a photograph of Yakut with. Um, he was at the launch of. Uh, Daniel Kinnahan's boxing club, yeah, MGM it was then called um, when it when it was founded around 2014, and he was basically at this sort of star-studded launch of it, and he was photographed with Matthew Macklin, um at Frank Warren and the promoter Frank Maloney, who would later become Kelly Maloney.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Do you want to explain that?
1: No, I mean, look, the the, the Frank Maloney was a very uh, well-known boxing promoter who transitioned. Uh, you know, did a lot of publicity around that. Um, Not to get out of our lane on on Crime World, but... Well, he's in the
2: photograph as... Frank Maloney. At the time, yeah. So that was obviously yeah. in the aftermath of that. Yeah. But nonetheless, he was a kind of a star guest at that launch, at that very sort of public launch. Yeah. And clearly he was mixing with them all down in the Costa. And they, of course, were, I mean, for years, Daniel Kinnahan and all his buddies and Matthew Macklin and all those boxers and everybody that was down around there hanging out with them, they went out clubbing all the time there was all those nightclubs down around Porta Benoose, I could name them off that they had VIP tables in you know they were mixing with everybody that was down down and about there I mean the Irish owned Porta Benoose. it was quite extraordinary when myself and McCaffrey went down there in 2012 um, you know they Kinahan's had the run of the place.
1: Yeah, and I it mean, was a it very was
2: extraordinary. And
1: it was a very different time for them as well because despite the public publicity in Ireland surrounding them, um, when they were in Spain, they weren't treated as 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 gangsters. uh by the celebrity people that were there. They were treated in a totally different way. People were happy to be pictured with them, happy to be associated with them publicly. And uh, yeah, there was, it was all but going I think on.
2: what happens down there and what's always happened traditionally back to the 80s when the Brits started going out there because there was no extradition treaty between Spain and, yeah, the and England. The Costa
1: del Crime, it was nicknamed
2: I think what happened down there is you have this sort of merging of those two worlds very openly. And it's not as if people kind of go, he's a gangster, don't be photographed with them. I think it's all sort of pretty open and they do know who everybody is. And they're all sort of just mixing around in the same circles. They are, they have money. And I mean, in the same way as you know, a lot of kind of wealthy tourists from Ireland would go and visit that part of the world and holiday in Porta Benous. It's a more expensive holiday, shall we say, than Ben and Medina or anywhere yeah. like that. So, you know, you have the golfers and you have the kind of wealth. And they are mixing and, and without maybe realizing or sometimes the gangsters almost become sort of semi yeah, celebrities in the area.
1: I think some people certainly like being around them. Uh, mm. because of their gangland connections, not in spite of them, but because of them. And then you had this other sort of crew of people that ended up there, these kind of dodgy financier types, didn't yeah. you, as well, who yeah. who also seemed to merge and and end up in, in of Benoes and ultimately probably ended up in Dubai as well In the, uh, at a certain point. These guys who are kind of fraudsters, really, who are you know, one foot in, in regular business and one foot out of it. And they seem to all mix in there as well about the movements of money. And I suppose uh you know, Yakut was somebody along those lines that he 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 was he was trying to have a foot in both camps. Um he certainly seemed to have had long-term connections with with the Dutch Moroccan uh gangs. Uh you know, we believe that he was related to some of the 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 figures there and Rather than being maybe involved directly in the drugs business, he seems to be involved in, in 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 the cleaning of money, or certainly that's the suspicion.
2: Certainly through some of the the operations, maybe he was running down there. You know, Benous is a particular place. It is a little bit like I mentioned Monaco, um, and perhaps Saint Tropez a little bit. Yeah, it's the place where these people go to peacock. Yeah, I yeah. mean literally. So there's a a Porsche, ticket you can buy every year which means that you're able to come in and crew I mean you wouldn't really want to be driving a car in there because it's literally a little port with little narrow streets and a lot of the restaurants and the bars are along the port and then you have the clubs at the back in the back streets but it's busy busy Um, but the only reason that most people would bring their cars in there is to show them off so you have like these convertible Bentleys you can sit and watch this wealth going past you for hours on end just in total fascination have the yachts where people pull in and they pay expensive birthing fees there in the harbor. Some of the yachts never move; they're just there so as they can go on and party and mm. um, you know show off again. You see an awful lot of uh, very burly-looking, sort of almost Eastern European types, yep. uh, tattooed from head to toe, and uh, obviously working out with these very sort of uh, dramatic-looking. Females on their much. arm. And yeah, it's it's really, I mean, you can just watch the world go by. But you're not in of to hide. No. You're there to show off. yeah, And that's what all these people do. And of course, Tibu Nightclub is the one where the, you know, the celebrities and the tourists party, but um, unknown to them, sometimes they're also partying with some of the biggest gangsters of Europe. And certainly that would have been a regular haunt for the Kinnahan crew who had the and opened this gym. We talk about the MGM, which later became MTK, which later kind of rolled into causing problems for Kinahan just before the sanctions. But uh, that gym was uh, literally direct, directly opposite the Tebu nightclub yeah. where it was. Um, and of course it's interesting. Again, we talk about connections that Yakut uh, was friendly or was he in business with um Richard Cashman, who yeah. was the former business partner. I think he was he was friendly with him, basically. I think he used to knock around with him. Um, and Richard Cashman was the business partner of John Goldfinger Palmer, the famous gangster who yeah. made hundreds of millions out of timeshare fraud in Tenerife. Cashman, sorry, Goldfinger Palmer was murdered in 2015 in the UK. His business partner, Richard Cashman, washed up in Dubai yeah. and was a guest at Daniel Kinnahan's wedding. Daniel Kinnahan,
1: Yeah, Daniel Kinnahan's very famous wedding now at this stage. Uh, and Cashman was there. I think he was one of the few people who actually put a couple of pictures on social media of of the cake, I think, yeah. rather than... Photographed uh, his wife. I think. Yeah. Um, but Goldfinger Palmer uh, was, I suppose, a very much a veteran criminal, wasn't he? He'd been involved in with some of the gangs involved some in some of those really big heists um, uh, back in the 80s and 90s. He'd come from that tradition and then he'd gone and moved. He's one of the first generation to move to Spain and he'd become involved in, um, in a timeshare fraud really, wasn't it, mm-hmm. uh, where he was buying, you'd buy a share in an apartment in Spain, but he seemed to have just got greedy and defrauded a lot of people. But he, so he he was kind of, a, I suppose he's something like um, a John Gilligan or a Martin Cattle, isn't he, in the English gangland, like as in one of those veterans who really made it to the top and became so well known in the British media. Um, but amazingly, he was, he was shot dead in 2015. I mean, it is an incredible story, really, what happened to him in that he was shot uh, from a distance. Uh, the police believe from a, a, a an adjoining property, um, he he collapsed. I think he was uh, cutting his grass, was he? And he was he was found dead, and somehow they presumed he'd had a heart attack, wasn't it? um, um so it they was. Buried him. <laughs> <laughs> did they bury him or they he did bury him? Yeah. So it seems to have been uh, like a, a sniper shot. So it wasn't a, a shot to the head from a handgun that, that the obvious there's obvious damage. He was a big man, wasn't he? He's was
2: a very neat little assassination. Is yes. that what you're going to say?
1: Yes, it was It's sort of a sniper bullet without loads of, I yeah. don't know. I mean, but it's still, you know, if that's an explanation for how it was missed, it, it does seem quite bizarre. Uh, he was a big guy kind of maybe, so I don't know. But either he
2: way... He was 64 at the time yeah. and... Uh, he was shot six times actually was and the the Sorry, I did, they didn't actually bury him. Yeah, now, that's a, a slight reach of yeah. exaggeration by by myself. He was shot actually, and they only discovered that during postmortem. So they yeah. had moved the body, and they hadn't yeah. realized it was, was, was
1: forty eight hours or twi- mm, something like yeah. that before they realized he'd been shot. I mean, it's still an incredible story, anyway. Um, so it was one of the great. It was a sort of a great mystery, wasn't it? Who yeah. shot him? Now he fallen out with a lot of people. During his life, I mean, he'd sort of fallen out with everybody at some stage, including some of the the, the, the most infamous uh, gangland figures in in
2: the UK. I suppose to ground him as you know how significant yeah. he is because he's way above anybody that we could ever describe yeah. him as. But he was believed to have been involved in the Brinks Matt robbery, exactly. And uh, he was involved with Brian Robinson and Mickey McAvoy, and yeah. I mean, they were the biggest gangsters that. Britain pretty much had ever seen. I mean, I think um, Goldfinger was
1: <clears throat> meant to have been rather than actually involved in the heist, but involved in the uh, selling all or moving the money in the aftermath, yeah. basically. Uh, yeah. And wasn't he caught with, with some of the, uh, some, some of the incriminating evidence? Yeah.
2: He anyway, and the I mean that was one thing that he was involved in that, and then the the, the timeshare I mean I have a book at home about him. I must give it to you actually. It's yeah. really fascinating how he set up the timeshares and how he um you know he ran that scam. Timeshare in itself is a fascinating yeah. thing when you think about it yeah you know, tourists were kind of like doorstepped on the streets and brought in, and they were convinced that they needed to buy. Yeah. Three weeks in the same apartment in yeah. the same yeah. area for the rest of their lives. I mean, it was some sort of a, I mean... I mean,
1: it, look, it goes on. I mean, it's still a big, big business you know. in, in, in the US, uh, but it's... Selling time, sure. Yeah, in, in Florida. I, I mean, could it would just be a never
2: big, understand what is the point of it.
1: Well, I suppose it's that you get these guaranteed three weeks holidays and then you have but a you sort of an asset... In a hotel. Well, you have this asset, so we look at it. It appealed to a certain amount of people, but so he he ran it, and it started to go wrong, and people started to come looking for the money. And of course, what happened then is he would set the heavies on them as well because he had that those gangland connections. And um, but obviously, in the aftermath of his death, and because I think he'd fallen out with so many people, it was unclear about who wanted him dead. But amazingly. Uh, in a couple of years on, intelligence was revealed, I think during a court case in the UK, who one of the suspects was. And again, if you talk about everything being connected, let's have the big reveal. Imre Arrakis. Imre Arrakis um, was,
2: who obviously... My favourite hitman, and I don't mean that in that I like him, I just <laughs> yeah. think, what a story, what an incredible character. Um you know, going back to his days in the Soviet Union, his imprisonment in the gulags, his, you know, rattling down to the Costa del Sol. Do you remember his boss down there? He was yeah, in, yeah, in a big sort of Eastern European Balkan mafia. Yeah. And his boss was a wheelchair bound um, guy who denied he would anything to do with any crime. And he had this sort of bald sphinx cat that, yeah, 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 that yeah, sat yeah, on his yeah, knee. Yeah, yeah. colourful. He, he was like something out of a James Bond movie. was, he was. So As was Imre Arrakis as Imre, was Imre I feel like calling him he lost his looks in Irish prison I've never seen anything like <laughs> him I have never seen anything so he was jailed here he was caught um, out in Blakestown cottages when he had flown in on a mission to kill James Mago Gately in 2017 shortly before that famous wedding in uh, in the Burj Al Arab as Kinahan was preparing for that wedding he was also trying to plot this murder and he had come in dressed as a fishing enthusiast, didn't realize he was under surveillance and he'd been arrested. So he was brought to court and charged with conspiracy to murder. Um, But he was also, when he was caught here in Ireland, it was revealed he was wanted in Lithuania for the murder of a a gangster by the name of Diamond. And the Lithuanians very quickly came to Ireland and said, we'll have him when you're finished with him, you know, let him go through the justice system there. And if he gets jailed, we'll file an extradition request and we want him over to face charges in relation to that murder. So, of course, Imri Arrakis was an extraordinary looking person. I've never seen anything like him at all. White sort of blonde hair down his back, piercing blue eyes, looked almost like a Neanderthal. And of course, had his own Facebook page and had done videos and yep. was handsome now in his day. But maybe when he was standing in the, the special criminal court, he wasn't so. But the next vision we had of him after a few years in Port Leach prison, despite telling his local media back in Estonia that, you know, it was really a walk in the park and the food was really good. Um, he did look like a man who'd aged about 50 years, didn't he?
1: He did. He did.
2: Where did that image come from of um, him giving the video testimony to it, Lithuania?
1: It came from the Lithuanian courts, who he obviously gave video testimony from from the Irish prisons, who would yeah. never allow you to capture any images of that. I mean, you never see images of that type in no in the Irish media, but the Lithuanian media just took a picture of him uh, as he so came. It was just
2: the, one still, as opposed to the video. It was just one number of stills. Right. yes. Yeah.
1: So and they obviously they had pick they took pictures within the courts of, yeah. of the defendant and all of that so it's obviously just allowed over there yeah.
2: just a different anyway he he had disimproved I thought yeah like the good food and all the rest of it yeah well, slight aside we slight
1: aside on his, his, his
2: segwayed into that into a little bit looks. Looks. Um, but in
1: in the aftermath of that of that uh Accusation at which it was at the time um, that he was involved in this murder in Lithuania, which also had a, a bizarre link in that it was a Lithu- uh, Lithuanian pop star was going out with the murdered guy, which made it huge news again in that country. But in the aftermath, um, as part of the the, the Goldfinger investigation, it emerged um that Imre Arakas had also been uh it was believed he was in the area at the time when Goldfinger was shot dead, and he became a suspect. Never been charged, obviously, but there was various bits of intelligence to link him to that, and um, not enough, obviously, to to to, to prosecution, but enough to
2: certainly uh, see him as a suspect. And you know, yeah. he was working at that time for gangs, including the Kinnahans, including the Macra Mafia down on the Costa in marbay was a hitman for hire. He also, uh, and, and his, his MO, his modus operandi was to get up close and personal with his yeah. victims. So he liked being, you know, getting them into his sights. He liked stalking them for a long time. He's a creepy character. Like, yeah. he almost would like to brush past them and you know um. yeah when he was arrested
1: for the Lithuania murder I don't know if you remember the amazing pictures of his masks he had a, a oh, yeah. series of masks and stuff like that obviously the, the Lithuania case one of the defences he made in ray Arrakis was that he had he didn't know this guy who was shot dead he'd no animosity he'd never met him he'd no motive to kill him but that is what obviously the, this, the the prosecution's case was that Arrakis was a specialist hitman for hire and he was hired to kill these high-professionalists profile people and obviously then the murder of 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 goldfinger would fit that sort of pattern i suppose in that there was nobody saying Arrakis had had a falling out with him directly but it certainly seems to be a suggestion that he would have been the type of person that you would have turned to if you wanted to carry out a high profile hit of this type
2: so, of course, in the weeks leading up to his death, Palmer and 10 others, including Richard Cashman, were all due to stand trial over sort of real estate fraud in Tenerife. Yeah. And there was speculation at the time that Palmer was seeking a deal with the prosecutors. Um, Of course, then he shows up in Dubai yeah. with, with Kinnahan, and the story becomes even more interesting. But um, as far as I know, he was never brought back Cashman. He had moved from Spain to Dubai after the UK police quizzed him in connection with the murder of his former boss, but he never kind of had to come back to face trial in relation to any of the fraud uh, in Tenerife. He's obviously, look, I mean, we talk about the Kinnahans, yeah. trying to get them back. What ha- chance have Tenerife got?
1: Well, very, I mean, very little, uh, yeah. you know. And I mean, I think it was even suggested uh, at the time that there was uh, also unproven intelligence to link James Quinn um, to the to the, the Goldfinger murder. And there was, a, a, at least it was reported at the time that he could have been. Uh, he was also in the a person of interest in that investigation along with Arrakis.
2: Yeah. So anyway, all these people surrounded, um, Yakut and uh, Marco Yakut and and you know surrounded him in social circles. They were friends and all the rest of it. And obviously, so much has gone on there. Um, there's almost an encyclopedia in it, really, when you yeah. think about what happened in the Costa over those few years and then onwards to Dubai. But nonetheless, the cops on the Costa have been investigating Yakut's murder, and they did put two men on trial, but they were acquitted.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they, they the, the reports. Uh don't name them uh fully but they're named as Badr K and Omar C um, they're described as uh um being from the Netherlands and and links to the Morocco mafia um, they were also suspected of the murder of a lawyer um in a, a counsel for a state witness in the Marengo trial Dirk Werstein. Yes Dirk Werstein. um so they the reason they were charged by the the Spanish police was they were their mobile phones were spotted in the vicinity of Yaku, and that was one of the big Yaku's movements on the night. And that was one of the big uh, suspicions. However, um, they were found not guilty uh, last week, and it's you know they're, they're I would say the chances of somebody else coming to 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 justice for this yeah. murder are now becoming. And are quite they small. still
2: suspected in relation to the murder of? It's actually Dirk Worsam. Yeah. Um, is the pronunciation of his name. Are they still suspected in
1: connection? Well, that's, that? that's how it's described in, as court. in In by the Dutch media. I've described them as suspects in okay. that murder. Um, they had been in pre-trial in detention in Spain for three or four years. Uh, so they're basically, pre, pre-trial detention I think is kind of soft enough in Spain, but yeah. basically they were being monitored. And there was another Dutch national a guy described as... Uh, Germain B was his name. He was also initially accused, um, but I think he was found not guilty as well at an earlier point. And he's since been sentenced to life in Netherlands uh, for a separate murder case. So it's clear where... Um, sorry, Badder K was ultimately sorry sentenced to uh, 25 years for the murder of a person called Shaquille Goudart in 2019 in Amsterdam as well Hmm. so these are very much uh, figures within the Morocco Mafia
2: so he was acquitted of the Yakut yeah uh, or certainly he was suspected of Yakut but not brought to trial on it Uh, this is Germain Germain. yeah Yeah. and then he was subsequently found guilty of Of, um, a Macro Mafia murder up in the Netherlands yes um, which would suggest that Taggy was in charge of a kind of a gang of killers from his own in-house and that they were sent out wherever in the world he needed them.
1: Yeah, I mean, the motives are unclear, but you can be guaranteed it's to do with money. Yeah. I mean, that, that is just the way it is and um, they, it could be nothing else,
2: you know. It always comes back to money. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.